Moncrief on News Talk. Now, thanks to Taylor Swift and Beyonce, concert movies are massive this year and it's difficult to think of any other year when they made such a similar impact. Danny McElhenney from the Irish Mail on Sunday joins us now to look back at some other classic concert films. Afternoon, Danny. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, the, the two, the Beyonce one and the Taylor Swift one, have you seen them? I have seen bits, would be the best way to describe it, Sean. I have not seen the whole thing. Okay. I was watching Eras, the um, parts of the Eras tour um, film that Taylor Swift has released, because it's very long. And so I couldn't get it all done last night. But what is pretty clear to me is that that fulfills a need for fans the way no other concert movie has done before because so many millions of people wanted to see Taylor Swift on this tour and so many millions of fans are disappointed. So it is, although second best, it fulfills a need. Yeah, so it's not as if she sat down and said, we're going to make a a concert fail and there's a concept there rather than it's just kind of second best to not getting a ticket to the actual gig. It's difficult to know what the, the concept was in, because she covers the entirety of her career. Um, three and a half hours, you know, the, the, everything from the very, very earliest albums right up to Folklore and Evermore, which are very good folk-related albums she did with Aaron Dastner from The National. But what's clear in the parts that I've seen is this is a woman who's in absolute control of how she is presented, how she wants to be presented to her fans, and backstage, the, the, the bits that you see of her backstage, she's just completely in control. She she has a sense of herself like few other artists out there, even Beyonce, really. Mm. You, know, you know, Beyonce's been caught with her sister and lifts doing things. Um, remember that, the, the <laughs> orange Solange and yeah. Jay-Z lift? Now, I don't think Taylor Swift's organisation in this day and age would let such a video go viral. And it kind of undermined... Beyonce's control of her of her um, public persona, Taylor Swift just seems to be in total control of everything that goes out Taylor Swift related. Right. Okay. So it, it, I suppose it makes you admire Taylor Swift, but a, a, a movie Both. that's produced and, and controlled by Taylor Swift, that would be the intention behind it, one, uh, one would assume, uh, rather than let's put in a bit where I'm a total bitch to everyone. The, uh, <laughs> It's kind of unlikely you see, but you know, it's just like it's just a, a, a you know when you, nowadays when one goes, especially if you go to a big outdoor gig, uh, there's a huge screen on on either side of the stage because you're so far back you can't really the, the the actual artist is a little dot. So you're actually what you're watching is an actual movie of the concert uh, outdoors in the rain, oftentimes if it's in Ireland, rather than going inside inside into a nice warm cinema and looking at pretty much exactly the same thing. And you're surrounded by people who are then looking through their phones at that big screen. <laughs> kind of like that's a person watching a screen, watching a screen. And it isn't only the big outdoor shows. I was at, you know, it shows in the three arena where they have the big screens. And that comes across of people just standing there watching the, the movie or the, sorry, the concert on the screen through a screen. Yes, they're videoing. Yes, they're taking photographs. But it's a bizarre thing of like, I'm going to watch the screen and then watch a screen through a screen. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's very strange. Now, uh, another concert movie that uh, that came out this year or was re-released this year uh, was Stop Making Sense uh, because it was, what is it, like the 30th or 40th anniversary of it and it came out in 4K and everything. That's quite different, really, perhaps, to the two movies we've just been talking about because there was a production concept there as a film, not just as a concert. It's, to me, when I think concert movies, Sean, I think Stop Making Sense, the way that you might think, 
Rockumentary means Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap, you, you know, the spoof documentary. I mean, I remember traveling up from Donegal in the mid-80s to watch Stop Making Sense in the Ambassador Cinema as ah, it was yeah. at the top of O'Connell Street. And it was an event. It was on It was on a fr- once a week, I think, on a Friday night. Yeah. And it was just amazing. And it, it was very stylized. You had David Byrne come out initially with a, a boombox doing Psycho Killer. And then the, the suits get ever larger. The band joins them on stage. It's directed by Jonathan Demme, who did who later went on to do, to do uh, Silence of the Lambs. It's, it is very, it's, it's filmed over, there's four different concerts that go into the, the one Stop Making Sense movie. And it's kind of like a benchmark, but it's also a one off because very few other artists tackled the concert movie the way Talking Heads did. It still stands up. It still stands up as a wonderful piece of work. Yeah, uh, and was it an extraordinary if because it was low tech in the sense of bringing on just starting with with, with Burn and then bringing on the various musicians on on kind of wheeled risers and all the rest of it as it went along. Uh, the choreography in that must have been uh, extraordinary to do that without squeaking and and things falling over and uh, all that kind of stuff. And also, there was a kind of in the first bit of the movie. You're not even aware there's an uh, there's an audience there, and then suddenly there is an audience there, which is uh, kind of a uh, a neat trick, uh, really. Now, I, but the, the last walls would, I suppose, um, get very favourable. Would be up there as well, I suppose, because in a sense, you go. It, it is one of those things where you go. I really wish I was that. Uh, I was at that concert because it's a it's a bucket list of artists might, people might want to have seen. Again, it's another template movie for, um, you know, the, the, you know, the band, as they were called, you know, the band and a band bringing on guest after guest after guest. And it just, it's like, it, it's, it's mind blowing when you think of the lineup at the time and in retrospect, the people that they gathered together to perform with them. And it, it, it's, it's a wonderful piece of work. And Martin Scorsese, who had form and had much more form later, directed that one. And he had, he had initially cut his teeth on concert movies by being uh, the editor or part editor of the Woodstock movie. So he knew what he was on to in terms of capturing the essence of live performance. You need many cameras. And one thing that they, they found out in the, the Woodstock movie and other movies was that all the cameras didn't work. The Monterey Pop movie, all the cameras didn't work. They went back to edit it and they, it was like dogs' dinners. Aww. But yeah, and, and like some amazing footage of Jimi Hendrix, for example, at Monterey Pop is not captured. And when he goes on to play Woodstock, Jimi Hendrix, that is, he's actually doing it at five or six in the morning as people are getting up out of their tents. It's a bizarre set, you know. But going back to the last waltz, the the kind of like the when they all get up at the very very end of the the last waltz to do, I think it's the wait, is it by the band that they do mm. and. Again, it's a template for like later on live aid when they all come on at the end to do do they know it's Christmas, you know it's yeah. again it's it's a it's one of those landmark movies, Sean. That like it still stands the test of time. People, a lot of the artists are at their best when they're captured in in the last waltz. Yeah, and a lot of um, a lot of those artists like they did their, their own songs. Some of the versions of those songs are actually better than the ones they recorded themselves. Uh, um, uh, on some of their albums, it, it, it's kind of striking. But I think there was a thing as well about Dylan was humming and hawing about whether he was going to let them use the footage of him until afterwards for some reason. I don't know why uh, there was a row about that because it, they were like Dylan's backing band. You would have thought 
he'd be the first one to agree wholeheartedly, but that's, you know... Uh, I, I, <laughs> I think it might have been something to do with the fact that he was going to be releasing a concert movie called Rolling Thunder. Ah, yes. Yeah, you're and right. He might have figured there might have been a conflict or a clash between, well, what songs am I going to do? Or are they going to use songs that maybe they're going to be better versions on The Last Waltz than my own concert movie, possibly? Mm. Yeah. Would be one, uh, you know, one reason for that. Yeah, and and I suppose in in and in, in fa- like in complete fairness, um, like there's a lot of text coming in. It seems to be vying between the last waltz and stop making sense. Uh, but stop go. making sense was recorded over a few different nights. But the last waltz was one night. That was that was a one take situation. And I think as well, I think that you you touched on the fact that some of the the artists gave defining performances. If you're looking around you in, in the backstage area at the caliber of the stars there you're going to go, I'm going to pull out all the stops here. I'm going to deliver the best performance that I possibly can. And that's why I think everybody stepped up to the plate. Yeah. You know, I think like like kind of the, the live it effect. Or I th- there was a lovely, you know, just to diverse, diversify slightly, um, at Woods, uh, I think at Woodstock, The Who and Jimi Hendrix were playing and they were arguing backstage about who was going to go on last. Not first, but last. In other words, who who would go on before them? And Pete Townsend apparently said, well, we're not following you on. And Jimi Hendrix said, well, I'm not following you on. So they tossed the coin. The Grateful Dead were in between. They didn't matter. So Hendrix went on after The Who, after a stunning performance by The Who. And that's when he he, he pulled out, this is at Monterey Pop, where he pulled out the uh, lighting of his guitar and setting it on fire and throwing it around the stage. Right. That was the Monterey Pop Festival, I should say, at Woodstock. And again, it's one of the defining Hendrix performances. Few people remember The Who's performance. Everybody remembers Hendrix's. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, just to give some mention to some other movies that people I want uh, want us to talk about, the best concert movie ever is ACDC Let There Be Rock from 1979. <laughs> <laughs> that again, it captures Bon Scott just before he died, as far as I remember. Mm. Um, I, you know, I would have no argument with that. There's a movie that's worth seeking out. And like, you know, for many people, Brian Johnson is a very good able replacement for Bon Scott. But the fact that we're still talking about Bon Scott 40, 45 years after his death, Tells you a lot about the power of the man in the initial iteration of ACDC. Yeah. So, uh, what what else would you kind of have in your in, in your top ten of, of concert films, Danny? Movies that changed the the zeitgeist, if you will. Give me Shelter, the Rolling Stones movie from nineteen sixty nine, and that was the movie that captured the ultimate concert, where unfortunately, tragically, um, a concert girl called Meredith Hunter was stabbed to death. Um, near the front of the stage um, by a hell's angel. Now, the thing about that is like he most likely, and it's almost certain that he pulled a gun at the front of the stage, but then he gets stabbed and beaten to death. And the whole Gimme Shelter movie is the build-up to Altamont. And when you're watching it now, and I'm getting a shiver at my back talking about this, Sean, because there is a sense of dread and a sense of doom that you know what's coming and the stones are, the stones are here and that there's going to be half a million people there. And it's going to be the last big concert of the 60s. And in a way, it not only was the last big concert of the 60s, it killed the 60s. Yeah. It killed the idealism of the 60s. People say that, you know, America's innocence died in 1963 when Kennedy got assassinated and it got absolutely buried in 1969 with with the death of the flower, flower power and, and love will conquer everything in 1969 with Altamont. For a, a piece to define an era, I think Gimme Shelter is one of the great movies, although for very different reasons than, say, Stop Making Sense or The Last Waltz. 
Uh, yeah, indeed. Now people would. <clears throat> some people are even texting in about Live Aid, but that wasn't a movie, was it? It was. It, it was a TV event rather than a, a cinema event. I remember it well, and they're absolutely right. It never was condensed down into a movie. It was again, you know, they didn't know what would work until it works. We're going to do a concert beginning at twelve o'clock at Wembley, and then at six o'clock in Philadelphia, and hopefully it will work. The technology, some of the technology for live, it had to be invented in the months leading up to it. The revolving stage that they used, that is now de rigueur for that type of concert. It, it was faulty until like a day beforehand. And the satellite technology, can you get 2 billion people to be tuning in at the exact same time with all the satellites aligned? They didn't know if it would work. Mm. I mean, when the status quo went on to do rocking all over the world, it might have been rocking all over Britain and Ireland because they weren't <laughs> quite sure how many people it would hit, you know. But mm. it's amazing they didn't condense it down to a movie, but nobody had the foresight or nobody thought about actually capturing it on film as, you know, specifically film. It's video. It's a great... It's a great document of a wonderful day and a wonderful movement but again doesn't count as a concert movie strictly speaking yeah though so I, I, I and and again it was that thing you mentioned before that there seemed to be a lot of artists and a lot of band who said right this is this is going to be enormous this is literally a global stage so they put in some tremendous performances though it, it can't, i can't really remember the american half of it that much it was more it was more the wembley half that was the most striking I think it was a bit like, you know, well, we're not following you on. Um, what came <laughs> in Philadelphia was, I mean, you had bands like, you know, that were big in America at the time, like the Hooters. Who remembers the Hooters? Yeah. They had a great song called Satellite, ironically enough, released later. And they opened Philadelphia as far as I know, but we didn't see that. There was much talk about Phil Collins traveling by concert or by Concord, excuse me, to do both London and Philadelphia. Um, there was a very strange performance by Bob Dylan um, where he's there with Ronnie Wood and Keith Richards, and they don't seem to be, to say the least, fully connecting. Um, I can't remember very many performances from Philadelphia. I think Mick Jagger and Tina Turner, that was a decent performance, but yeah. most of the best bits, most of the bits that we remember are the likes of Queen and U2 and David Bowie um, from the Wembley, the Wembley part of it. Um, Philadelphia, not so much. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, someone's given out that, why haven't you mentioned Westlife at Croke Park doing their closing tour? It was amazing. Cheesy, but all the hits. And uh, was it a movie? <laughs> uh, I, I assume they think it was a movie. Uh, maybe it was just a movie in their own head uh, uh, sort of thing. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel live in Central Park. Great. Very, yeah. very good. Again, but uh, I say, strictly speaking, I'm not sure... I, I, I can be stand corrected, but was that not a film done video? If we're talking, if we're splitting hairs here, was it an yeah. actual concert movie? The actual performance of the two of them is wonderful. And the live album as well is brilliant. You know, absolutely excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, uh, Bowie, I suppose, is the next person you'd think of who'd put a lot of thought into into the visual sides of things. And, and the Spider from Mars uh, movie. Yes, the Ziggy Sardis movie, you know, it captures the last concert at the then Hammers with Odie and it's now the Hammers with Apollo, where, you know, it's it's literally Bowie at his height of the, the Ziggy Stardust era. And then he goes and announces from the stage, by the way, I'm retiring, or at least retiring this persona. People were completely confused. They thought Bowie himself was retiring, but it was him, you know, Doctor Who, like going from that Ziggy Stardust persona to the next persona. And he did it live on stage. But some of the performances from that film, and it is a film, the Ziggy Stardust movie, 
arrogant boy at his absolute height. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get you get a few people outside talking who are just you know in awe of Bowie and rightly so. I mean, it was it, that's a movie that stands the test of time and it's rough and it's raw. But you get a lot of backstage footage of him and his wife and his wife doing his makeup and the strange things that Bowie come out with at the time that he thought were like shocking and the way he looked. But I, w- I would look at the performances. Total era-defining movie. And it, it heralded and also killed glam rock because like bands like The Sweet, who I, I have a soft spot for, and Slade, who were pulled into the glam rock, they didn't really hold a candle to Bowie in yeah. terms of inventiveness. And you yeah. see it all in that movie. Yeah. Uh, Pink Floyd live in Pompeii. We're getting a few texts about that. Okay. That's a strange one because it's it's Pink Floyd with no audience mm. for a start. And it, it's quite stylized and it's it's beautifully filmed. But I mean, where were the concert goers? Um, that was, yes, it was Pink Floyd and yes, they were live and yes, it was Pompeii. But as a concert as such, I, I seem to remember that as them just standing there. Um, getting filmed playing. I don't remember much about it. I don't think there was an audience there. Yeah, <laughs> just them standing there hating each other. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about how much money they were going to get for it. Danny, thanks a million for speaking with us today. Uh, that was Danny McElhinney there, uh, music journalist with the Irish Mail on Sunday. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.